the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Welcome once again to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. This is the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. In Orlando, Alan Dempsey does our engineering every weekend. He does it well. And Andrew Herdliska is our producer. Uh, Erica Young-Wrights is uh, with us, director of Senior Exit at Penn State University. Her book is out. It's called After College. And, uh, Erica, I'm really pleased we can visit. How are you doing? Thanks so much, Pat. I'm honored to be interviewed here. What does the director of Senior Exit do? Tell me about that title. That's a great question. Uh, about a decade ago, I, I started my career in college ministry and started noticing that um, a number of our alums were leaving, but then they started floundering post-college. We had done so much to invest in them during their college years, and then they hit that transition, and it becomes this overwhelming time in their lives. And so a, a colleague of mine approached me and said, can we do something while they're students, something on the front end to help prepare them? for the transition, and that's how Senior Exit got started. So I direct, uh, it, it started with a really simple what's next luncheon, and then we realized there's so much more to talk about than what can get covered in a luncheon. So now it's a full-year experience, and seniors start at the beginning of senior year, and the program is dedicated to helping prepare graduating college seniors for the transition out of college. What are the top issues facing recent graduates today, Erica? Yes, when I, I did some of my master's research on this topic, and um, probably the number one issue that our students are facing is just the, the challenge of finding meaningful community out of college, especially if they've been a part of a rich, tight-knit community in college. Um, the, the issue is no respecter of, you know, whether you went to a, a small college or a large public university. I know commuter students may have different challenges, but um, I would say finding community and for those who are, are looking for a church, finding that experience after college, um, managing money and finances. Uh, another issue that comes up is just relating to people who are different. Sometimes in our college experience when we're kind of cloistered in a group of people who are similar to us and then relating to people who have different perspectives and worldview um, managing family issues and navigating that relationship out of college. Um, in the book, I talk about probably about 10 top issues, but those are just some of the few that they're dealing with. What do you think millennials need to transition well into adulthood? Encouragement um, and people coming alongside them. Um, I, I think there's a lot of things that they they need, and... Um, uh, someone who's influenced my work tremendously is um, a man by the name of Stephen Garber, and he did this really long-term study of, you know, for those people who 
are following Christ in their college years, and then they continue to follow Christ beyond their college years. Like, what do they need? What what has to happen? And he points to three things, and one of them is a coherent worldview. Like, we need to know what we believe and why we believe it. And our worldview, as we know, affects um, so much of how we approach um, sex and work and dating and relationships, our worldview shapes all of that. And so I, a coherent worldview, um, Garber talks about, he talks about um, a, a community, a, a group of like-minded people with whom we can try out this worldview and, and make sense of it and encourage us. And we, you know, our students, we know they, they become like the people they hang out with. And so we're really encouraging them to be wise about who you hang with after college and um, it, it can be exhausting to even like take those steps to find meaningful community, but um, we really try to encourage them that that's, that's going to have a huge impact on the transition. And then um, the third thing is um, just a character, a person of character that can come alongside them and mentor them. And um, it can be a lot harder to find mentors right out of college. I know in our setting, you know, if you want to be mentored at Penn State, there's probably people knocking down your door saying, how can I invest in you? And then after college, you kind of have to go after everything. So really trying to prepare um, millennials for that, even that transition of mentors may not be as easy to find as in college. Erica Young-Reitz is with us. Uh, Her book is called After College. Erica, how hard is it for a student, a Christian student, uh, to function at a secular campus such as Penn State, and of course there are hundreds of other secular schools. How, how does a Christian young person do it? Yeah, Pat, that's a good question. I have um, different perspectives on that. Now, I did my undergrad at a small Christian liberal arts college, and then I've been at Penn State for the last, this is my 13th year here. Where'd you go to college, by the way? I went to Messiah College sure. in Grantham, Pennsylvania. Yes, I know it. So um, it's it's interesting because I... I think even at a large public university, I describe this in the book, it can kind of be like Russian nesting dolls. Like you can still find really meaningful community and Christian community. In some ways, your faith is put to the test in ways that maybe it's not in a, an environment where, where many people are like-minded and, and sharing faith. Um, I think we're, one of our goals with our students is to really equip them during their college years to, to be missional and to reach out to their peers. And um, you have a landscape right in front of you to do that, um, to, to be missional. And I think that's a test for life after here. Um, so I, I, I think there's definitely the temptations. I mean, but I think you're going to find them at any college. I could find, I could find it at Messiah if I wanted it. Um, you know, whether that's the binge drinking culture or the hookup culture, like you're going to find that and it's going to be more dominant at a, you know, a large public institution. But I also think you're going to find, um, people who are, really living out faith in a compelling way um, if, you're, if you're looking for it. And at Penn State, we are so blessed to have uh, a number, any night of the week a student can go to an enriching um, fellowship group experience here. Campus Crusade, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, etc.? Yes, Navigators, um, FCA, Crew, mm-hmm. uh, Victory. I mean, you, you can probably name it. Penn State is, and, and yet... Um, we welcome more people to plant at Penn State. We're not getting the job done. There are still um, thousands of students, 45,000 students who don't yet know Jesus. Um, so 
anyone who wants to come to Penn State, please join us because um, there's so much more opportunity here to reach students. Eric, it seems to me, and I'm going to give you the questions that young people would have, and uh, let, let's see how uh, how we do, okay? <laughs> how do I make God-honoring decisions about what job to take, where to live, and whom to marry? Let's start with that one. In a word, Pat, like just one answer. <laughs> That's a really big question. Um, how do I make God-honoring decisions about... Um, what job to take and who to marry. And yeah, I, I think um, our students get confused when um, with a theology that kind of pits like success and failure with decision making. You know, if I choose this job, it's the right job and that job is the wrong job. And I see our students get overwhelmed. I mean, there's so many decisions they have to make senior year. And um, I think when they start to stack them as like, there's only one perfect plan for my life. And if I don't choose it, I'm going to like get cast into some parallel universe. Um, We really try to help them see that sometimes God even gives us two really good options for a job. And we're trying to seek out, you know, which one is the best given, you know, even our own desires and um, the people around us and where is he calling us? Um, so I, I think I see some of the, the biggest challenges when our students feel like um, overwhelmed by I have to pick the exact right um, choice. And so we try to dispel some of the myths around that when it comes to decision making. Um, and then, I, I mean, I think with relationships and um, all of those choices, um, we're really trying to encouraging them to, to do that in community with other people, that it's not just... Um, you know, so many little choices lead to that bigger choice. And so it's not like one day they wake up and like, oh, should I marry this person? Um, there's a lot of choices that lead up to that. It's it's giving them a grid for even how do you date in a culture that's sort of post-dating and hook up and hang out culture. Um, yeah, does that some of that answer the question, Pat? Yeah, let's move to this. One. We, only, we got 30 seconds before oh, the wow. break. How do I manage my money? Don't go into debt. I think that's our biggest thing, and, and that, that you actually have to do it um, to get up, get a system. I recommend Dave Ramsey. You need a budget. dot com. We talk for hours with our students about money management. Um, don't go into more debt and pay off. Live live below your means, or at least within them, and and do the practices of making a budget and sticking to it. Erica Young Reitz is our guest. We've got more with Erica. She is the director of Senior Exit at Penn State University, the Nittany Lions. Her book is called After College. Uh, IVP Books put it out. It's a good read, an important read, really. Uh, Just a reminder, this is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. More with Erica Reitz right after this. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. This is Dennis McKenzie for Families by Design. Strong families are designed by God. Do you want your family designed by God? For inspirational principles for today's families, listen to Families by Design with your host, Dr. Daniel Forbes and attorney Delton Chen. Families by Design airs every Sunday at 9 p.m. That's Families by Design on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. 
Before you invest, read the prospectus in the registration statement and other documents the issuer has filed with the SEC for more complete information about the issuer and this offering. This is a special public announcement for investors. Have you tried to invest during an initial public offering but never got the chance because big banks and private institutions have already scooped up all the stock? Well, now there's an exciting investment opportunity where you can be in on the IPO of a game-changing digital media company listed on NASDAQ. FOTV. FOTV is a group of millennial-focused digital media companies that creates, markets, and distributes live hologram events and premium Hollywood movie content to global audiences via live streaming, virtual reality, and 360. Powered by Holograms USA cutting-edge visual technology. Featured on the Country Music Awards, Jimmy Kimmel Live, and the Coachella Music Festival. Discover a real IPO investment opportunity. Invest as little or as much as you want. Call now for your free FOTV prospectus. 800-409-2501. That's 800-409-2501. Do you need a new roof but don't know who to call? Here's Eric Holm, the owner of Golden Corral and his experience with Total Roof Services. Total Roof Services takes care of all my Golden Corral restaurants and my homes. They are the most professional roofers I've ever used. Hi, I'm Eric Jackson, owner of Total Roof Services. We've made it our mission to serve our community. You're going to love your roof. I guarantee it. Visit us at TotalRoofServices.com. State license CCC 1330329. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Erica Young-Reitz is with us from the Penn State University campus. We're talking about her book, After College. Okay, Erica, here are some more questions I imagine young people would have. How do I find friends in my new community? I think a big thing is just altering our expectations when it comes to finding friends. I um, I think a lot of our alums get tripped up when they expect it to be just like undergrad. And I mean, I think that's true for the whole transition. A lot of what we're doing in exit is just closing the gap between what students may expect and what may actually happen. And so probably the biggest thing is that we have to go after it. We have to be intentional. Um, when the geography of our lives changes, when we're not just able to walk down a path and encounter people who are like-minded in the same life stage, we really have to go after it. And so I think that's pushing ourselves um, beyond the, you know, the people we encounter at work. And maybe if we have a roommate, um, kind of resisting the temptation to just sit on the couch at night and binge on Netflix and really get out there and, and meet people. And for those who are introverted, that may seem overwhelming. We encourage our introverts to just to maybe find that person, even if it's at a social event. You may not make the meaningful connection there, but find that, that person who can connect you to someone and then set up something from beyond that. Um, and I will say that the local church is the primary place where I, I hope our alums find connections, um, that that is a, a key part of the transition. Erica, when young people come to me asking for advice about finishing college, you know what I tell them? What do you tell them? Go get your master's degree immediately and don't hesitate. Do you? Your reaction. Actually, um, I think you really want to know that you're going to get, if you want your master's degree, you really want to take that step. In fact, I was just with a um, a recent alum who... um, she delayed grad school. She's pretty certain she wants to go. She's environmental science. She's pretty certain she wants to go. But um, in the chaos of senior year, she felt like she didn't have the space to really discern that decision well. And she was talking with another roommate and said, like, you know, I'm going to defer, but, like, am I going to be behind? And the roommate said, you know, behind what? 
And I think that was a really good question. Now, we do see some of our students kind of wander through their 20s. I'm not encouraging that. But I do think the decision to go to grad school um, just because you can't find a job or you don't know what you want to do is not the right decision. Uh, grad school, you're doubling down on something that's a key interest and niche area. And I would say you really want to know you want to go before that. And I even had wise people in my life say, if you're going to do a Ph.D., like, Go find some friends to do it with. It's intense, and um, go with others. So um, we may we may differ on that advice. <laughs> no, I tell them. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Four four of my boy, four of my children, uh, and I told them if you'll go to grad school right after college, you know I'll pay for it and make sure it's done. And they all did it. And at the age of uh, well, twenty three and a half, hmm. uh, they all had their masters. Hmm. And uh, they would not go back now as adults and do it. Sure. They just wouldn't. But at that point, they did, and they got it. And before their 24th birthday, they uh, wow. they were they were fully educated, you know, uh, as far as their life was concerned. Sure. So we move on. What about this one, Erica? What can I do when my hopes and expectations for life after college aren't met? Hmm. Yeah, I think to just for students to know and alums to know that they're not alone, that often that is the case. And I think we have expectations we don't even know we have. And when we get out there, whether that's I thought a relationship was going to happen for me in college or I thought I would land my dream job or I just I don't know what what I want to do with my life and I'm confused and I thought I w- it would all click by now. Um, I think when that happens, we just want to um, encourage our students that you're not alone and there is hope and there's time to figure it out. Um, to just I, for the alums who have transitioned the most smoothly are those who haven't. I think about Jackie in Colorado who um, graduated and decided this isn't what I even want to do. Um, but she said it's okay. I don't know. I don't want to be an occupational therapist, but I'm going to take my time. And I'm going to figure it out. Um, I'm not going to waste years, but in a matter of, of several months, she did some job shadowing, and um, I think that's that's huge. If things aren't working out, to just try stuff and and. Um, informational interviews, and that that led her to the career that she's in right now. Um, but her willingness to just not freak out and take her time, and and say that we serve a God whose character is true and can be trusted in this transition, and that's that's so much bigger foundation than our own um, angst and you know feeble attempts to figure this stuff out. Erica, shouldn't we be? Uh planting seeds and really drilling our students as freshmen about their career and their life and their path uh, rather than waiting till their senior year. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that, and I've, t- I've talked to some people at my alma mater of this is, is just, I, I think there was a big disconnect between what I was learning in the classroom and then like, what am I going to be when I grow up? And um, I know that even since I've graduated, they've made changes to start infusing some of those conversations even into the curriculum. And um, I, I do think it can be a, a downside of some of the liberal arts education is that, that there's not enough discussion on the practical. How do I translate this? And um, I'm having, you know, conversations now with practitioners of other colleges of how do we, you know, help have this conversation earlier on and um, often, like early on and often, so that we can continue to translate this for students. Um, it's exciting that some of these faith and work centers are popping up all over academic institutions to help um, people discern, okay, what do I do with this thing that I'm studying, and how do I integrate it with my faith, and what am I going to be in the world? And um, I think as a four-year degree is 
no longer easily translating into a viable vocation. We have to keep having these conversations um, often and early on. If I didn't meet my spouse in college, will I ever? I don't know. Um, that is that is one thing that I really want to encourage our students is um, that window has not closed. And um, that was something when I was doing my research, um, especially in, in some of the Christian subculture, that this pressure to meet someone in the college years. Now, granted, it is a, you know, a, a time like no other and that you're meeting people in the same life stage and similar interest, but um, that window is far from closed. In fact, people are getting married later and later as um, statistics are showing us. Um, I know my own story. I didn't meet Mr. Wrights. Um, my last name is Wrights until um, I was 28. I think we got married and um, I just want to encourage our, our students and alums that, if you didn't meet someone in college, you're not behind the curve. And um, if you didn't date in college, you're not behind the curve. That um, there's opportunity for that after college and that, that God has a plan for that area of our lives. And um, I think that there are people delaying marriage and dating, maybe not for the healthiest reasons, but I also think there are people who fear that that window is closed and um, that is far from true. How do I set boundaries in dating relationships? Yeah, I think, one, we have to be prepared that um, even having boundaries is um, going against the cultural norm right now. Um, we live in a world that's like, try anything, do anything, whatever, that's your business, um, whatever you want to do sexually. And so I think to know that um, we're going to swim upstream on this and um, that we're going to, if we decide to set boundaries in dating, that it's going to be... Um, something that doesn't make sense unless we know Jesus. And so I think that's the first thing is to be prepared that um, the world has normalized things that um, I would not say align with biblical principles. Um, and, you know, I, I, I kind of lay out some things in the book, but I think having boundaries, knowing why you have them, and um, to, to make a commitment to pursue sexual purity um, in, in dating and in caring for yourself and the other person and, and for God's best for our bodies. And that's not a popular way to live right now, but it is a good way to live. Oh, how many uh, Penn State home football games should I attend after I graduate? <laughs> All of the above. <laughs> um, yes, for sure. So get season tickets as get soon as I tickets. can. tickets. That's really the way to go. <laughs> Does finding a church and committing to it really make a difference? Absolutely. I, that's where I see our alums thriving. In fact, I see, um, I even think about one of our alums um, who moved to Georgia, and he went through exit, was committed to finding a church right after school, and, um, you know, it, it, all of this transition, so much shifts at once, and so it can be overwhelming to go after these things, and um, pretty early on, he, you know, you're all looking for community, everyone's looking to find friends, and so kind of the lowest common denominator is that happy hour subculture, and I don't, I'm not against that as a, a starting point for connection, but I think that can't be the, the be-all and end-all, and for this individual, it was, you know, he got connected with his friends at work, and hanging out at happy hour became kind of the, okay, that's, that's where I'll go for my community, and um, 
he quickly realized this is not going to suffice and then um, made a commitment to finding a church, did get plugged in within three months of moving. And I would encourage, you know, three to four months, make a commitment to a local church. We can be searching forever and not find the perfect church because there isn't one. So made a commitment to church, and that completely changed his view on the happy hour thing. He still went out with friends but had a totally different approach to it, especially the drinking part of it. And... um has found rich community in the local church. I think our alums get tripped up when they think they have to find a perfect church or one just like their campus fellowship that they were a part of or another church they were a part of. Um, There is no perfect church, and that's a beautiful thing. We get to see all different expressions of God's body, and um, I really think that is where we thrive is when we get plugged in. What are your feelings about internships? Do them. I, I feel strongly about um, if students students doing them before they graduate. I mean, research shows that any time someone can get a realistic um, one research calls it like a realistic preview of what you know life is like. I mean, a student may say, "I want to be a speech therapist," and you know, if we don't know what a day in the life of a speech therapist is, I, I think that's still an abstract out there. And so, the more we can um, take even unpaid internships during the undergrad years to to gain that experience, to test out, is this something I really do want to do, the better. I see our students who have done internships, they have a leg up on those who have not had the opportunity to do that. And um, I think the more we can we can do that, and some people are taking internships even right out of college, and though um, there may be pressure for employment to pay back loans and things, um, sometimes those internships, or even if it's volunteering above and beyond work hours to test something out, I do think the more we can prototype and test, that's going to move us towards discerning what we are made to do. Erica, half of our organization here with the Orlando Magic are former interns. Oh, great. And uh, when young people come to us, uh, I mean, I just say to them, internship, internship. Great. And at the end of one, go take another one. Great. You know, you're only 22 years old. If you're not going to do your master's, go you just get as Great. many as you can. And by the time you're 25, somebody may really have liked your work and hired you. That's great. Yeah. Uh, anyway, and, and one other little message from Uncle Pat here, Erica, <laughs> with, with your students. Uh, t- teach them the two most important words in the English language. Do you know what they are? What are they, Pat? What else? What else? Good. In, in, in other Good. words, uh, when you when you're hired or you're an yeah. intern, yeah. Uh, your motto needs to be: What else can I do? What else can I contribute? Great. Uh, what else can I offer? Great. Uh, what else can I uh, do here to make a difference? Great. Uh, you don't have anything else to do. You're not married. You don't have children. Right. And uh, so you need to absolutely blow people away. Uh, by your willingness to go way, way, way beyond the second mile, I love it. And love uh, it. and and if a young person can do that, uh, they're gonna they're gonna make a because listen, there are not that many of them around. That's right. That's a message that needs to get out there for for our students who are kind of like, what do I need to do to check the box to get the A? And some maybe just want the B, but like, you know, when they're they're often asking, give me give me the bare minimum so that I can get the outcome that I want. And I'm I'm very pro millennial, but I do think that there's times where um, that that question is often asked. So I think your what else is a counter to that, and it's such an important message to get out there to um, you know those in their twenties and and in that first job, yeah. How can I be a blessing to this institution? How can I, um, what more can I do? 
to serve and go above and beyond. And the most deadly word in the English language today, I'm convinced, is called entitlement. Mm. I'm do it. I owed it. I'm owed it. I went to Penn State, so I'm do this and I deserve it and you need to give it to me. And oh boy, that's a, it's a dangerous word in our society today. So. Yeah. Let's close. I, Let's I agree. so the mission is wipe out the word entitlement. Listen, Erica, great to talk to you. Keep up the good work. I'm so pleased we could visit. Pat, thanks so much. Erica Young Reitz is our guest, director of senior exit at Penn State University, author of After College. So if you're heading to Penn State to go to school, folks, make sure you make the acquaintance of Erica Young Reitz. Uh, We've got more after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. This is the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Are your car bills just getting higher and higher each time you take it in for service? Is every time you take your auto in for service dreaded because you feel they're selling you repairs and maintenance you just don't need? Well, upselling is the way most companies work today, to drain your pocketbook and pad their profits. So what should you do? For 41 years, the crew at Blue Book Cars Service Center have worked hard to earn your repeat business and help their customers be good stewards of their money. It's their responsibility to be honest and repair your vehicles at the best price. Their low, low service labor rate has been the same for over eight years. Their qualified staff and service techs repair vehicles, not just to replace costly parts, unless necessary. And they don't upsell anything. Come visit Blue Book Service Center. Call 407-321-0741 for an appointment. Mention WTLN and ask about the Blue Book Service Center welcome free loaner vehicle while your vehicle is in for service. Call 407-321-0741. Find out more online at Blue Book Cars. Legal representation is often about personal values. Hello, I'm Karen Eastry, attorney for probate, estate planning, divorce, adoption, guardianship, issues concerning children and the aged. Call me at the law offices of Alper and Eastry at 407-869-0900. I am a lawyer who not only speaks for you, I share your values with the experience, energy, and enthusiasm to represent you effectively. My ultimate goal is to help you reach a satisfactory conclusion to your legal problems, to find peace, and to be able to move on with your life. Call me, Karen Eastry, at 407-869-0900 or visit my firm's website, altamontlaw.com. My office is conveniently located in Altamont Springs, close to I-4. So call today to make sure you have someone by your side at 407-869-0900. Offices, Altamont Springs. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Erica Young-Reitz was our guest uh, from her uh, office at Penn State University talking about after college. Uh, Tricia Rhodes is with us, founder of New Hope Church in San Diego, author of The Wired Soul, and uh, Tricia's going to be with us. I'm so glad, Tricia. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm glad to be with you, too. Well, let's get started here. What What does uh, the title mean? What's The Wired Soul? And tell me about Wired Souls in a Digital World. Well, yes, I wrote the book because um, I 
found myself and everybody else I know struggling, especially in, in terms of their soul, in terms of being able to be still, to be quiet, to connect with other people at a deep level. And as I did the research, it became clear that, that technology has happened so fast, and it's really rewired our brains in ways we're not aware of. And we haven't had time to stop and say, wait a minute, what's happening and what do I need to do and how can I combat the losses uh, that I've had, both mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, because I now live in a digital world. My guest is uh, Trisha Rhodes. Uh, she and her husband founded New Hope Church in San Diego. She's currently an adjunct professor of practical theology at Fuller Seminary. Uh, let's talk next, uh, if you would here, Trisha, about slow reading and deep thinking. What's that mean? Yes, yeah, so I'll set it up by first saying that our, our brains, the ways our brains have been rewired through technology is that we are we are wired for perpetual motion, constant stimulation, shallow surface thinking, and we're really addicted to that stimulation. Slow reading and deep thinking, that chapter is really about how do we uh, retrain our brains to slow down and to be able to sit still, to read a book, to uh, engage with other people, to think deeply, particularly about God, because our brains are trained to in the internet to run through things quickly and so this chapter really teaches you how to you know say well slow it all down retrain your brain rewire your brain so that you can um you know be more present to the world around you and i guess that leads to the next topic trisha to talk about uh eat this book (laughs) it's called and (laughs) and you and practice receptive reading and practice retentive reading. I want to hear about this. Yes, well, receptive reading is really where you read, whether it's a book or whether it's scripture, um, you learn to be able to be, be quiet enough, still enough to re- be able to read, on, read it, reflect on it, respond to it, and, um, and then that, that leads to retentive reading, which really is the art of memorization, which we're kind of losing. And it's so important for our brains that memory exercises the muscles of our brain. And scripture memory, which I teach how to do in the book in a new way, trains our brains to pay attention to what really matters. So because we Google for information all the time, we're losing our capacity to retain things and to hold on to what we learn. So our short-term memory, we can only hold things for 10 to 20 seconds, um, and we need help. And so that's what this chapter really trains you to do. Uh, Tricia, what is the uh, most effective way you have found to read the Bible? Well, uh, it depends on what your goal is. If you're trying to just uh, get information and knowledge, that's one thing. But for me, the way to read the Bible is to, like this says, Eugene Peterson's term, eat it. And the scripture, we have to sit with it. Uh, I use Lectio Divina, an ancient practice in the book, and I teach how we have to sit with it, we have to read slowly, we have to reflect, we have to ask God, what are you saying to me here? What is your message for me? And then follow that with, Lord, what do you want me to do? And so that's really uh, an art and a practice that people are losing their capacity for because of, of our wired brains. And what do you say to people, particularly men, who I think by and large are non-readers, 
Yeah. Uh, what do you tell them uh, to get how to get started? And, and they may say, well, okay, I want to be a reader, but boy, I don't know how to do it. What, what do you say? Well, in the first place, all of us are struggling to read. Reading, even as a leisure activity, uh, has gone down in percentages quite a bit. And so when we sit down to read, our mind races, our mind wanders because of the way it's been rewired. So what I say is start small. In the book I have, the book is full of exercise. It's very practical. And in the book I have an exercise where I give you a couple of paragraphs. I teach you how to read those slowly, how to look for things, how to notice the first sentence in it and what it might mean and how to, um, you know, just interact with it from, from your mind and your heart. And But I say start slow. Don't think you're going to sit down with, you know, some classic literature and read the whole thing. You will find yourself lost very quickly. <laughs> Tricia, I think one of the greatest compliments you can pay a person is when you say, uh, that gentleman or that woman is well-read. Uh, yeah. what, what does that mean to you? Well, I think that means we, we read on a variety of levels. We read different things. The problem with the Internet is it sort of shapes what we read. It feeds us things based on what we've already been looking at, and so it really narrows our, our vision and our reading. And so if that's all the reading we're doing is, is, is that hyperlink and skipping here and there on the Internet, uh, we're not going to be well read, and we're not going to enjoy reading. Which reading should be just such a joy. Uh, that's they've proven that when you really do learn to read slowly, your brain relaxes, your stress levels go down, and it's supposed to be enjoyable. So, uh, I think a well read person is a person who's working on that and um, trying to redevelop their brain to resist these wirings that uh, technology has done to it. What do you think about speed reading? Well, again, there, there's a purpose for that, but I think overall it's not good for our brains. I mean, if you're studying, cramming for an exam, that kind of thing, I understand that. I, I've been there. But if you're really trying to uh, expand your uh, way of thinking, expand your heart and your soul, you've really got to slow down and devour the words that you're reading. Are you a book person in your hand when you read? Do you prefer books, real books? Yes, and I'll tell you why. I, I, even more than ever, I have a Kindle. I use it when I'm reading novels that I don't really care if, you know, I'm for just for total relaxation. But other than that, they've proven, they've done brain science, they've done eye scans. When you read on a screen, no matter what kind of reader it is, no matter how good it is, you read in an F pattern. You go across and down, in a little and down. You, you lose a huge amount of comprehension. And it trains your brain to skim. And so when I really want to read and get something out of what I'm reading, I read with an open book. I usually have a highlighter or a pen in my hand and uh, just enjoy the feel of that experience. What are your areas of reading that you uh, you find important to your life? Well, you know, I, I like to read all kinds of things. I, I like to read novels. I like to read, you know, things that help me improve my life. Um, but I'm really uh, captivated by classic spirituality books, by the ancient saints who wrote. There's something about the way they wrote uh, that I can read a, a line or two and sit with for a long time. And so uh, I'm, I'm sort of, uh, you know, I really enjoy that kind of reading. Tell me about your students at Fuller. Uh, are they readers? 
Well, they have to read a lot for their classes. They are assigned an inordinate amount of reading. What I find is um, they also have been really plagued by what technology sends to your, their brains. So they, too, skim. Um, when I start to try to challenge them to go deeper, to uh, interact and debate the material, they it's a learning process. It's a big struggle. I can tell they're not used to interacting with what they're reading. They're used to just trying to get as much content in as they can. And uh, they struggle. They really struggle like the rest of the culture. Let's move to this topic. Well, I'll tell you what, we got to take a break, uh, okay. Tricia, and uh, then we'll come back and we'll uh, uh, keep talking. It's a good interview. Okay. We're doing we're doing well, Tricia, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, I think we're getting a lot in. <laughs> good. Well, I'm enjoying it. Tricia Rhodes is our good. guest. Uh, she and her husband founded the New Hope Church in San Diego, uh, author of The Wired Soul. Uh, Tricia Rhodes. Uh, I'm Pat Williams, and this is the Saturday Power Hour. Uh, it's the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN right here in Orlando, Florida, booming up and down the I-4 corridor. More after this. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. This is Dennis McKenzie for Families by Design. Strong families are designed by God. Do you want your family designed by God? For inspirational principles for today's families, listen to Families by Design with your host, Dr. Daniel Forbes and attorney Delton Chen. Families by Design airs every Sunday at 9 p.m. That's Families by Design on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Do you have enough drinking water at home or work? For whatever life throws at you. This is Florida, and you can never have enough good, wholesome drinking water on hand for meetings, family gatherings, even Mother Nature's wrath. Be prepared with Carolina Highland Mountain Spring Water delivered directly to your home or business. Call 407-851-7144 or online at carolinabottledwater.com. There are no delivery fees, no contracts, and now take advantage of their Be Prepared delivery special in individual bottles, dispensers, and coolers. The purest water delivered to your doorstep, guaranteed. Get started now. Call 407-851-7144, 407-851-7144, or online at carolinabottledwater.com. Refreshing taste, unrivaled purity, the healthier choice for home or office. Carolina's Highland Mountain Spring Water. Call 407-851-7144, online at carolinabottledwater.com. Refresh today. Hello, I'm Pastor Glenn Riggs, inviting you to be our guest in celebrating all that the Lord has done and experience our pioneer spirit. We're excited to share Starlight Baptist new building with you. It's been several years in the making. We now can share God's Word with so many more souls in Central Florida. There are many ministries here at Starlight. Please visit us at starlightbaptist.com. And don't miss the broadcast ministry of Starlight Baptist. What does the Bible say? Every weekday afternoon at 4 with Pastor Riggs, right here at the intersection of faith and reason. The new 94.9 FM. And AM 950 WTLN. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. My guest is uh, Trisha Rhodes from uh, San Diego, and we're talking about her book, The Wired Soul. Trisha, this is the next topic I want you to teach us. May I have your attention, please? 
the practice God focused deep breathing. Uh, I want to okay. hear. I, I want to hear about this. Yes. Well, again, this rewiring of our brains has made we have a crisis, and school teachers will tell you this. Uh, business people will tell you this. We have a crisis in our ability to pay attention, mm. to focus on any one thing, and we have to do something about that. And so in all my reading, what I discovered is that you can actually retrain your brains for focus in about 12 minutes a day. And surprisingly, the way to do it is through an ancient practice called meditation that the Bible teaches. And so what I did was I took the, uh, the, the science on the physiological part of it, and I combined it with what we do as far as biblical meditation. I came up with this exercise called God-Focused Deep Breathing. And I tell people in the, in the book, I tell them how to do it. I teach them the, the steps, and I say, if you'll do this for 12 minutes a day, you will begin to see that change within two months. Now, you have to keep doing this kind of thing. You can't just go back to the Internet and forget about it. But you will begin to be able to focus, and um, it's, it can really make a huge difference. Um, how do you start? To the listeners today, I mean, how do you get started? Yeah, so this particular exercise, I start with breathing. They, they show physiologically we don't breathe deep enough. Because we're on such a fast pace, we're all breathing way too shallow. So I teach you how to take deep diaphragmatic breaths. And so it starts with that. Um, and even if you'll just do that alone, you'll find a difference uh, in the, in, as you try to get alone or even out throughout the day when you're driving and feeling anxious. But then I add, uh, they found that if you have some sort of physical movement that's balanced on the right and the left side, so I teach a prayer posture where you put your hands together like a child in prayer, and you just tap your fingers together on the exhale. So you take in this deep breath, and as you exhale, you tap your fingers together. And then the third part is they say vocal sound actually helps your brain practice. So I teach in there how to, as you're exhaling and you're tapping your fingers, you could sing a hymn, you can recite scripture, you can read scripture, you can say affirmations to the Lord or affirmations about what God is and what he's done in your life. But when you put those three things together, so it's deep breathing, mm -hmm. it's that touch, that physical uh, activity, and then the exhale, you're um, speaking something out, you are engaging in both biblical meditation and your body and your brain are being retrained in a very powerful way. And then you do a whole section on meditation, the laboratory of the soul. Yes. Uh, is there more you can tell us? Yes, and that's where I take it. After you've done these exercises to get your soul settled, then you can really get into the Word or into deep spiritual books and teach your brain how to really focus on the deep truths of God. And the amazing thing is we've shown, science has shown that this kind of, of uh, focus has so much um, impact on our ability to, to care about other people, our ability to be aware of what's going on in the world, reduces stress, it counters negative feelings. I mean, it just goes on and on what it'll do. And so I teach biblical meditation. It's very different from Eastern meditation, because in Eastern meditation, the goal is to sort of empty your mind. I'm teaching just the opposite. I'm teaching you how to fill your mind with the deep truths of God, and um, and so I take them through some steps on how to do that. 
Uh, Tricia, let's move to this one. Praying the texts of our digital lives. And then you give us some practice tips. Uh, you're going to have to explain that one. Yes. Well, here's, here's what I realized is that we have experienced change so fast that most of us have not taken the time to say, where should God be in my digital life? In the way I live, uh, my digital habits, my daily rituals. And if we'll take a look at those digital rituals, we will find out they reveal a lot about our soul. They reveal a lot about what we think our identity is in. Um, you know, for example, if we, uh, social media might reveal that we have this longing to be noticed by other people and to be admired and that we're shaping our identity around that rather than about, around God. So in the book, I, I teach people how to take your life, your digital life, and bring it under the kind of the microscope of God's heart. And then you're in a prayerful mode throughout your day as you engage with, with your digital experience. Tricia Rhodes is my guest, co-founder of the New Hope Church in San Diego, author of The Wired Soul, Tricia Alone Together. A brief and prayerful assessment. Uh, uh, fill us in. Fill us in on that. Yes. Yeah, so what this chapter alone together, um, and I got that title again from a, a book uh, by Sherry Turkle, who's a sociologist, who's really identifying how this there's this myth that we're connecting because we're connecting digitally, but we're really more isolated. People feel more isolated than ever before. And technology is robbing us of this capacity to attend to each other. We, our brains, really need the feedback from other people. And so what I do in here is I help you go through an exercise really just to assess who are the people in my life that I really connect with, not just through a text or a social media, but who do I really connect with? How many times a week am I engaging with them? What kind of experiences are we having in growing deeper? Um, and then I take I give a great exercise to do around the dinner table. You could do it with your family or friends and how to really listen to God on each other's behalf and encourage each other in, in your growth together. Let's talk about this next topic. It's called contemplation, the contemplative life. Yeah. Uh, contemplate in solitude, contemplate in action. Uh, you don't hear that word very often, contemplate, do you? Yes, and I want to, you know, take away the myth that it's, you know, going somebody going and hiding in a corner in the darkness and contemplating, you know, their belly button or something. But to be contemplative is to be aware. It's to go deeper into God as you go deeper into the world in which He places you. And so the contemplative life is, is one who's really looking at the deeper, you know, what's really going on? Lord, what are you doing here? Who are you? Who do you want me to speak to? What do you want me to do? And it enables us. We have to have those times in solitude, and I talk about that a lot. But we also have to be contemplative in action. And so I give a, 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 a way that you can connect with God five minutes in the morning, several times throughout the day, a reminder maybe on your smartphone to, to do that, and then five minutes at night. And the whole goal is really just to say, am I being aware of the world in which I live, the world that God has placed me in? Am I connecting with His purposes and what He wants in the people and the places that I'm encountering? 
My guest is Trisha Rhodes, founder of New Hope Church in San Diego. By the way, can you go back and talk about the, you and her husband founding that church in San Diego? What was that like? Well, it was 35 years ago, and um, we mm. were we came out here. I, I'm from San Diego, and so my home church asked us to come start a church in this new suburb. Uh, my husband, you know, went out knocking on doors. That's literally how we started it. And um, we started with a small group of people, and it just grew. And it, honestly, it's been sheer joy, not without its ups and downs, obviously, but uh, we can't imagine doing anything different than this. Uh, this book that you've written, what one lesson or message uh, do you hope will resonate most with your readers? Well, I, I want to say first, I am not opposed to technology. I love it. I'm engaged with it. This book is not a call to, to go away from it. It's a call to balance it. And two things, I want people to have hope. They don't have to live this distracted, anxious life they feel like they're living. I want to show them that they can change and turn this around. And I want to give them the tools to do that. But I want, the biggest message is take this seriously. Sociologists, psychologists, educational people, even politicians are taking it seriously and raising the alarm. We need to take it seriously as followers of Christ. I guess the real issue uh, that I'm listening to here, Trish, is how can we deepen our relationship with God when it feels like every minute of the day is already taken? That is so true. And technology promises to save us time, and it does. You know, it really does. I pay my bills online. It saves me a lot of time. But the, the problem is it also always offers us more choices. It will always be offering us infinite choices of things to do. Um, and so we have to take What I say is every day I ask the Lord, have I made technology my servant or has it been a taskmaster over me? Uh, do I have to grab my smartphone the minute I hear a little noise? Do I have to respond to everything everybody sends me immediately? Do I have to follow that hyperlink? Is it mastering me? And that's the issue I think we want to contend with. So how can I or how can all of us connect more deeply with other people beyond social media, in your opinion, Tricia? What do we do here? Yeah, I, I think it's, it takes some intentionality. Um, it, it's so easy to connect. Uh, to message somebody or to email them, when really maybe what we need to do is pick up the phone. Especially, I would say, especially when we have things that are important to talk about, don't do that in email. Don't do that in texting. People can't, you know, 60 to 90% of your communication is nonverbal. People don't get any of that through the written uh, message. So let's pick up the phone. Let's get together and have coffee. And you can't do this with the 300 friends you have on Facebook, you can only do it with a few people. But make sure you're deepening the important relationships in your life. Your children, make sure you're taking the time to listen to them and you not have your devices always pulling you away when you're with your kids. Those are just, you know, some of the important things. What do you say to single people and about meeting people through dating services? Where are you on that one, Tricia? You know, I think I know some people that have had, I have friends that have been married for years and they're happily married. I have, I think it's a great idea, but you, it's going to have some limitations until you sit down face to face. You're really not going to know who that person is or what they're really like. And, and the relationships take time. So you can't make any decisions based on what 
the digital life has revealed to you. And so, uh, but if you can find somebody to start the journey with to discover, I think that's great. What are the biggest issues on the minds of your students? Their future, uh, who they're going to marry, uh, what their job's going to be like, what does God want them to do? I mean, what, what's, what are they thinking? Yes, I think calling is a huge one for them. It's, it's, the path is not clear anymore like it used to be. There used to be, you went to school, you went to, if you went to seminary, you got out, you got a church, or you did this or that. And, and it's just not that way anymore. And so I think there's a lot of anxiety about what is God calling me to do? Where am I going to end up? How do I get there? Um, and and I, I think they feel the angst of this, this digital culture, too, that is pulling them in a thousand directions at once. They are all very overwhelmed with the amount of um, just busyness in their lives. And, of course, being in school makes it worse, right? But... Uh, they're struggling with that, yeah. What's the best part about living in San Diego? Oh, well, of course, the weather is, you know, so wonderful. We, we just have such beautiful weather. But San Diego is a very laid-back, easygoing town. People are very warm here, and um, so the culture is very enjoyable. And, of course, being near the ocean, how can you, you know that. How can we ever uh, want more than to be near the ocean? <laughs> So what's the uh, final take on your book here? we got about 30 seconds before we finish here. Uh, In 30 seconds, uh, tell me what you want me to remember. Uh, I want you to remember that it is an absolute fact that your brain has been rewired by technology. It's not your fault if you struggle with focus, if you struggle with solitude, if you struggle with prayer. It's not your fault, but you can do something about it, and it's worth it. And you and your kids, especially if you have kids, get the book. You really need to help them start early so that they uh, don't have to go through what you're going through now. Uh, but you really can turn this around, and it's not that hard. Trisha Rhodes has been our guest, author of The Wired Soul. We've got a wrap-up right after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. On the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Hi, Jim. Something wrong with your garage door opener? Nothing's wrong. I'm showing off my new smart garage door opener. A smart garage door opener? Yeah, I can open the door with my phone, turn off the lights. It's secure and easy. Jan loves it. We have smartphones, smart TVs, everything smart, right? Well, most things. But now I have a smart garage door opener thanks to Florida Door Solutions. It's time to get smart with your garage door opener from Florida Door Solutions. Featuring LiftMaster with built-in Wi-Fi that connects to MyQ. It works from multiple devices. Plus, adapts to home security cameras. You can even check your door status from work. It's the smart way to go. Florida Door Solutions handles all the top brands from Clope, LiftMaster, Overhead Door, and more. And they've got the reputation for doing the job right the first time. Providing doors and openers to some of the biggest projects in Central Florida, like the new Orlando Fire Department. Wow! A smart garage door. Think smart, be smart, Danny, with Florida Door Solutions. Call 866-FLA-DOOR or online at FLADOOR.com. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Thanks for joining us here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. 
In the first half hour, Erica Young-Reitz was with us from Penn State University talking about after college. And then we swung out to San Diego where Trisha Rhodes uh, filled us in on the Wired Soul. Uh, please visit my website. It's uh, patwilliams.com, the Twitter page, Orlando Magic Pat. And I've got a book I think you'll enjoy. It's called the... Uh, it's called Leadership Excellence, The Seven Sides of Leadership for the 21st Century. It's in bookstores now, uh, Amazon.com, always a wonderful way to order books. And uh, I think you'll enjoy this uh, latest book that I've written. And I hope you have a wonderful day in church tomorrow with your family and a great week ahead here in Central Florida. And then we're back next weekend for more on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. On the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at this same time on the intersection of faith and reason. The new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.